This is ContraZoom. Where we go back and forth about film. I'm Dakota Arsenault. And I'm Rachel Ho. On today's show, we are continuing our A24 retrospective. This is our fourth edition of the series. You can listen to episode 169, Spring Breakers, 159, The Green Knight, or go all the way back to 108, A History of A24 Films to get the full backstory on the company. Today, we are looking at the 2013 Sofia Coppola-directed film, The Bling Ring. The film is based on a March 2010 Vanity Fair expose called The Suspects Were Louboutins, written by Nancy Jo Sales. It was based on a group of already rich teenagers from Hollywood who broke into celebrities' houses and stole a few million dollars worth of clothing, jewelry, art, and cash. In the era of Laguna Beach, The Hills, The Simple Life, Punked, The Girls Next Door, The Surreal Life, and Jersey Shore was absolute idolatry of celebrity culture and socialites. People were praised for being young, rich, and attractive for the sake of just having those qualities. While the film was somewhat fictionalized, the actual victims of home invasions like Paris Hilton, whose house was actually used for filming, Lindsay Lohan, Rachel Bilson, Orlando Bloom, and Miranda Kerr, Audrina Patridge, and others were present in the script. Before we go deeper into the bling ring, I want to welcome returning guest Naomi Wada-Platt, who was last heard on episode 155, Toronto Japanese Film Festival. Naomi is a YouTuber who mostly talks about Japanese culture and politics in both English and Japanese, and is the president of the Oscar Isaac Thirst Club. Welcome back, <laughs> Naomi. How are you? <laughs> Thank you so much for having me again. Thank you so much for the title. I feel so honored and seen. Thank you. <laughs> and I, I am correct in understanding that you recently had to beat out Jessica Chastain for the president of the Oscar Isaac Thirst Club? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it was rough. There was some blood drawn, mm-hmm. but... <laughs> I mean, the title falls to the rightful person, and, you know, it is right. So, deal with it, Jessica. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm, 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 so, I'm so glad to, to hear that you are, are back, and you're happy about that, and you've uh, resumed the, the rightful position there. Uh, Rachel, mm-hmm. uh, I'm very excited to do our next A24 movie. Uh, how are you feeling today? I'm good, thank you. How are you, Dakota? How's, how's oh, things? You know. Not too bad. Um, I'm I'm excited. This this kind of uh, the first A24 retrospective we've done with a third person, so it's going to be a bit of a a new thing for us. Back on the very first episode that we did, the uh, what was that movie called? The the something Charles Swan inside, the Third. Inside the mind of Charles Swan the Third. A oh, a glimpse. A glimpse mind. inside yeah. the mind. It was just a glimpse. It wasn't wasn't fully inside. The curtain wasn't fully pulled close back. enough. Yeah. Um, which is means the title is as memorable as the film itself because <laughs> woof that movie was not memorable at all but something really fun that we did was we did our a24 four questions that you and i both took some time to answer but now that we have a guest i figure we should probably extend the invite don't you i guess if we have to no yeah we okay. should because i'd love to hear naomi's thoughts on this um i love her opinions on movies i enjoy all of her videos so I'd like to hear what she has to say oh, about A24. Yeah, so I, I sent you these questions, Naomi, and uh, and you you seemed excited about answering them, uh, especially considering uh, my previous allusion to you being the president of the Oscar Isaac Thirst Club, who he himself has been in several A24 movies. So the very first question is, what are your top three A24 films? So, okay, I kind of have two answers to that but i'm gonna be honest i'm gonna go with my heart okay so my top three a24 films are midsummer or is it midsummer yeah. um next is <laughs> great great you okay, start right, right off to a good 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 uh, good start good start 
Yay. <laughs> and second is the farewell. And the third is drumroll, please. Actually, no, don't do it. Uh, Ex Machina, because yeah. Yay. Oscar Isaac. <laughs> Shocker. Is it the dance sequence alone? I know, right? Yeah. I mean, that scene is just so like, like, honestly, when people talk about like, oh, like, who, who seems like, from what movie like does the actor seems like they're having most fun and people are like oh that scene from ex machina with oscar isaac and kyoko and i'm like yo bitches you got it right he it was a cultural reset <laughs> so <laughs> cultural reset i agree with that mm-hmm. he changed i know i agree with he that. changed this plane it's a damn good movie and he's really really good in it as well Okay. Even though, like, I don't like that you know, tech, um, techno orientalism depicted in the film, and like how Kyoko is like portrayed. I mean, he looked good in that film, so I, I have to you know be honest with my heart. He can rock yeah, um, a shaved head really, really well. Not every, not everybody I can because some people have weird looking heads, but obviously Oscar can because he's perfect. Exactly, exactly, precisely. Not just pretty and gorgeous <laughs> and thick and everything, but luscious too, but he's damn good. Did you just say and thick? Did yeah. I hear that right? Okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> With four C's. I agree. I agree. I agree. Especially if anybody's seen Dune out there. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's... Are we going to talk about it? He's a thick boy. <laughs> he's a real thick boy. Yeah. <laughs> thick indeed. Ooh. I feel like I'm gonna have like to put. Uh, just got I'm it. not safe for work. Warning <laughs> on this episode. I mean, for sure. Sorry, I will tone it down. No, I won't. All right. Well, question two: What was your introduction to A24? What was the first A24 film you had seen? It was actually Miss Amar. Um, obviously, like I've watched um, A24 films before Miss Amar, but I haven't really paid attention to production companies until 2018. But so when Midsummer came out in 2019, everyone's like, yo, like A24 did, did it again. You know, they came out with a, another crazy film. And I was like, who the fuck is A24? And I saw the list of movies that they produced and realized that some of the movies that I love are indeed A24 films. So Midsummer is my jam. Nice. Well, you, you made Rachel very happy. I, was, I think that's a really <laughs> common thing about people getting introduced to A24 is just like, you start watching a bunch of movies that you really like and then you kind of, it just clicks all of a sudden that it's all by the same, like you see the same logo at the beginning of every movie. And I think that's like yeah. really cool because you don't normally, I don't know, I, I think we talked about this before where it's like if you see like Warner Brothers, you don't necessarily go, oh, interesting, Warner Brothers, I should really look into them. Like that sounds like an interesting thing. But like because A24 at the time was still i mean pretty new and i mean it's still gaining mm-hmm. fans every day now right like it's um a lot of people are getting introduced to it like the green knight i know was massive i know i wasn't the biggest fan of it but yeah it's it was <gasps> i know i know <sighs> how dare i mean i was I okay know, I, with I, it i'm kidding it was I'm, I'm still processing that naomi it was fine <laughs> all right it was fine just wait till we have Calum on we here. Some- he just screams the Wicker Man and, and I'll just respond <laughs> the Green Knight. Hey, Wicker Man's great. I wouldn't say Wicker Man. Like, okay, continue. Let's go to the next question. <laughs> All right, Let's not do this three. right now, Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> no, we will not rehash this yet. We'll save that for our best of 2021 episode. 
<laughs> oh, Lord. Can't wait for that already. All right. Question three. What director, dead or alive, would make a good A24 film that does not already have one released by them or made by them? Okay. Um, Karen Kusama, who directed The Destroyer mm. a couple years ago, and um, Elvira Lind, um, who directed The Letter Room, also um, spouse of Oscar Isaac. I support <laughs> that lady, the household so much. And um, I thought that those two will be the only pers- um, directors. But this morning, I just could not like deny myself thinking about Kerry Joji Fukunaga, the Ooh. director of uh, Maniac mm-hmm. and No Time to Die. Even though I have like this weird love-hate relationship with them, mm-hmm. I'm just like... I. I need to see them directing a A24 film. What do you, you know, think? I think I think that's a I think those are all really interesting answers and like I'm thinking about it. Kerry Joji Fukushima, he's he's grown in stature especially doing a Bond film. I, I I am sort of curious. He's done a great job with two TV shows, the first season of True Detective and then Maniac. Both of them kind of have that like smaller intimate quality while also having a, a bigger universe. I think if he, he sort of translate that to just a direct movie, I think he'd do a really interesting job with that. He's I agree with you where I'm 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 not always on his wavelength, but he always has some interesting ideas. <laughs> so I would be curious to see what he would do in the sort of milieu of an A twenty four film. Right? I really like the A twenty four, listen to us. Sorry, I was just saying, I really like the Karen Kurosawa um, shout out because I think she's amazing. I think she's like a really, really right. underrated because she did Girl Fight. That was her very, that was her first movie, I think, oh, yeah. like back in the day. And that was like Michelle Rodriguez. It was her very first acting um, role, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So for both of them, I believe it was their debuts. And that movie is sick. Like if anybody hasn't, it's pretty old now, I think. But if anybody hasn't seen that one, if you want to see Michelle Rodriguez before she was Letty go on and and check that one out because it's it's really really amazing and i always felt like she should have gotten kind of bigger i don't know bigger movies and things like that um or maybe not even bigger movies just a better opportunity uh but destroyer was really good though yeah she followed the after girl fight she followed up with eon flux and jennifer's body both kind of like pretty big genre films that tanked really hard and now are both kind of looked back with it with a different lens especially jennifer's body i think yeah. it's really being reevaluated so if they had probably been the hits at the time that they are looked at as now she probably would be someone that's a lot bigger uh but yeah i i, mm-hmm. I definitely agree with what you're saying there rachel jennifer's body i'm glad that that's kind of coming around now because i think that that one was very i think it had a lot to do with because it was megan fox and like the reputation mm-hmm. she had yeah. at that time and i mean she still kind of has that today um, but yeah, I, I think that that kind of painted the movie into a, a certain light. Um, being that movie written was... by Diablo Cody as well. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. For sure. Uh, but those are, those are great picks. I really like those. Uh, and, and I think that kind of gives us a lot to, to sort of think on of like, what would that look like and hope for in the future? But the last question I've yeah, got is it's a really philosophical one that doesn't really have an answer, but to you, what makes an A24 film? For me, it's that what the fuckness, both in like, what the fuck, this movie is like beautiful or great. And what the fuck is going on in this house? Like, what the fuck? So, you know, it has to have that twinge of darkness and be thoroughly beautiful. That's my take on a twi- like definition of A24 film. Very succinct and perfect. <laughs> Very succinct and perfect, Yay. I think. Well, it is. I mean, like, 
we were talking about A24, but or not A24, obviously we are talking about A24. Um, we were talking about Green Knight <laughs> and that one is a big like what the fuck at the end of the movie. And it's either a what the fuck that works with you or it's a what the fuck that doesn't. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that's that's a great that's a great way of looking at it. And it doesn't have to always work for you, but the fact that it's sort of eliciting that sort of reaction is is really what I think they're striving for. Yeah, hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Well, awesome. I'm I'm excited that we now have a, a second person to have answered these questions and, and have their own insight into uh, the world of A24. That's that's different than than you and I, Rachel. But I figure we're here to talk about the bling ring, so let's get into it. Uh, I'm going to talk a bit about uh, some behind the scenes stuff, and then we'll sort of uh, review it a little bit. It's my homie Mark. Hey. Hi, I'm Nikki. This is Sam. Hi. Oh my God, that's Paris Hilton. It's Kirsten Dunst. I just think we wanted to be a part of like the lifestyle, the lifestyle that everybody kind of wants. Hey, I can be the answer. I'm ready to dance when the vampire. Paris Hilton's hosting a party in Vegas tonight. Where does she live? Do you think we could find a way in? I, I don't know. Come on, let's go to Paris's. I want to rob. Uh, this film came out on June 14th, 2013, and was directed by Sofia Coppola making this the second Coppola family film released by A24 after the very first one, A Glimpse Inside the Mind of Charles Swan III, which now uh, that I'm reading my notes, I can clearly remember, uh, and was made by (laughs) Sophia's brother, Roman. Uh, The film has the cast of Katie Chang as Rebecca, this gang's ringleader, Israel Broussard as Mark, the main character who we see most of the action from, Emma Watson as Nikki, a friend of the two who joins in on the robberies later on, Tassia Farmiga as Sam, a girl who lives with Nikki and manages to not get arrested after uh, not being caught on camera like everyone else. Claire Julian as Chloe, a friend who is the least involved with the robberies and often only acts as a watch person. And Leslie Mann as Lori, who is the mother to Nikki and guardian to Sam. A bit about the plot is Mark, a lonely and confused gay teenage boy, starts at a new high school where he ends up befriending Rebecca, who spends her time getting stoned and partying with her friends. After stealing from acquaintances they know who are not at home, the duo start to get bolder as they use websites such as TMZ to learn which celebrities are out of town like Paris Hilton to see if they can break into her home. Through simple Google searches, they find celebs' addresses and schedules and begin stealing from rich socialites they adore on TV. They eventually rope in friends Nikki, Sam, and Chloe as they get less careful and more reckless. The more they steal, the the harder they party, spending their money on bottle service at clubs and cocaine. Since they're already rich, if they don't wear what they steal, they try to cheaply pawn it off to others. As celebrities start reporting the robberies and releasing surveillance footage, the circle tightens around them as eventually their Facebook posts and bragging to people at school offers more than enough ammo for the police to arrest them and search their homes. Now, A24 acquired this movie. First, actually, it was shot in 2012, and then on January 16th, 2013, it was announced that A24 had acquired the distribution rights to the movie, and we get its premiere at Cannes. It screened during the Uncertain Regard portion of the festival on May 26th, and eventually came out to theaters in June of 2013. So, I think a good jumping-off point to discuss the movie is when it came out, the Bling Ring was criticized for being vapid and more interested in name-dropping and contributing to celebrity worship. So I want to know, do you think the film has any kind of deeper meaning, or is it more interested in showing off rich people partying and acting bratty, or does it have something of value to say? So, Rachel, we'll start with you. What are your sort of thoughts on that take? I completely agree with that criticism. I do think the movie is incredibly shallow. Um, I don't think the 
subject matter of the movie is shallow. I think that it is a very worthwhile discussion to have, especially like when you're talking about the context of 2008, 2009. Um, I kind of like a bit different for me is usually I, I complain when movies are overly stylized, i.e. Spring Breakers, which is the last one that we talked about. But I actually, for this one, would have rathered more style because uh, I feel like there's substance in there, but it needs a bit of style. It needs something more to bring out the substance. Um, and I don't really feel like Coppola did that well because there is like a, a really interesting theme in there. There is really interesting subtext and concepts that, you know, can be explored through the different characters and whatnot. And they kind of do it, but again, very superficial, very shallow, in my opinion. That's interesting. What about you, Naomi? How do you sort of feel? Is this more style over substance? I actually think that I like the shallowness because it is what it is. The original case is, you know, the way it was. So for me, like, there's no need to add like judgment or cast certain ideas upon this story. Like for me, yeah, it's style definitely um, dominating the whole movie, but I think that signifies the importance of the film. Like this happened, deal with that kind of attitude. And I actually like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I sort of, I think I feel a little bit closer to you, Naomi, than I, I, I do to you, Rachel you're right in the sense of like these acts of, of crime are just sort of just thrown on screen, obviously done in a very stylized way to a, to a terrific soundtrack of the era of like uh, pop and hip hop music. But there's also a certain degree of removedness from the camera. I often found that every time that they are in the homes of the celebrities or, or committing whatever crimes they were doing, the camera felt like it was like a surveillance camera. It would kind of sit there idly. It would pan side to side. It would watch them kind of like a, like a CCTV camera would, but would never really get directly involved with them. Sometimes if you want like to show that the camera is a part of the action, it'll sort of chase people around. They'll chase the characters around. They'll show them, you know, digging into boxes of jewelry and, and cash boxes and things like that. But it never really does that it kind of sits back a little bit away from the action at times especially so the, the the famous shot of when it shows them robbing Audrina Patrice's house from a distance and it's a, a single long take, which I, I definitely want to talk about a bit more about later. But I, I guess my, my sort of follow-up to you, Rachel, is because you felt it was a little too much style, does that mean that the film just really didn't work for you as a whole? No, I mean, sorry, I meant to say I wish there was more style. Like, Oh yeah, I felt like okay. it was too bland. Like that—that's what I—that's oh. what I meant. Like I felt like the movie was too bland, um, which is why I was saying like typically I always say, "Oh, this movie was overstylized," and it kind of took me out of it. But this is one of the few times that I watched the movie and I went, "Man, I wish that there was a bit more." Like I wish that you could take the aesthetic and the style of Spring Breakers and put this storyline in, because I feel like oh. then you would have a really interesting. Um, it would just make the story more interesting because I felt like the way Coppola did it, it was very toned down in a sense, but I agree with you, Naomi, in the sense that like it is implicit, like it's, it's about shallow people and superficial people. So maybe that was kind of the, the point Sophia Coppola was trying to make of just saying like, yeah, we did a very superficial, very shallow look because that's kind of the nature of, um, of of what is going on 
but I, I, I just kind of wish that they had done more. Like, again, I, re- I really feel like that was my whole, everything I thought about when I was watching the movie was like, if they had done all that excess and extraness of Spring Breakers and put it into here, I feel like you would have a really bomb ass movie. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that works. Yeah. It'd be interesting, like, if you have all the girls, like, I mean, not saying, like, you need everybody in a bikini, like, a neon bikini with, like, blue light. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> Just, like, I, I like, like, obviously, those girls are supposed to be, and... um mark yeah mark they're supposed to be uh kind of like just suburban kids um who are just like rich suburban kids not just random suburban kids uh but it just felt very i don't know like lackadaisical which again might be the whole point because i don't think that the actual bling ring like the the people that were actually the kids that were actually doing it i don't think that they thought it was a big deal you know, like, I, I think they mm-hmm. just kind of thought, oh, yeah, this is just something we do. Like, this is basically how we go shopping is I hang out in Paris Hilton's nightclub room because that's that's just the thing that I do on a Saturday night, you know? So maybe that was why. Like, they just wanted the more pedestrian attitude towards it because that's what the real life story was, was it? they were very, very relaxed about everything. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, yeah, I, I, I can I can see where you're coming from. I I wonder if that's just sort of not in the wheelhouse of Sofia Coppola because you look at I I haven't seen all of her movies but uh, I I've seen a good chunk of them and she's not usually an overly flashy director. Yeah, I agree with that. So she and and often she her her subjects are very flawed people and I think she does her best to just sort of be like, "Hey, here are the flaws." you kind of make up your mind of how you want to see them, but I'm not really going to cast any judgment. And and there can be a bit of coldness to that where you at least want the director's vision to have some sort of judgment positively or negatively. And this, she kind of really doesn't have any of that going for it. uh, Like I would say the only person in this whole film that is looked upon negatively, or at least maybe in my opinion, my views of her was the Leslie Mann character where <sighs> all the young girls didn't really seem to respect her. That was, that was my only real judgment I was seeing. Yeah, that's true. No, that is true. I think like, well, because she was like such a weird ass mom, like she was using the seat <laughs> to homeschool her kids and being like, think about Angelina Jolie. Like, Yeah. That is true, though. I do think Coppola... I'm not the biggest fan of Sofia Coppola, to be honest. I'm not... Like, I think she... Obviously, Lost in Translation is a beautiful classic movie, but most of her films, I've never really been too drawn towards them, to be honest. Even, like, what was the new one that she did? Um, On the Rocks? Yeah, that one. I was kind of like... I like Rashida Jones. I like Bill Murray. And I was like, oh. Yeah. And Damon Wayans. Like, I like him, too. He's he's great. It wasn't... For Marlon. Sorry, Marlon Wayans was the one in it. Yeah. So I guess sort of speaking of that family, not the Wayne's family, uh, the <laughs> Leslie Mann family, uh, I, I want to talk about Emma Watson. She's kind of coming off the heels of the Harry Potter franchise and sort of trying to separate herself. And almost in the sense of similar to the the women in Spring Breakers, it yeah. was the sort of family-friendly young teen girls gone bad sort of thing. And and I sort of feel that this is Emma Watson's version of, of her going bad. What did you think of her performance? I'll, I'll, I'll start with you, Naomi. 
Actually, like, I listened to that episode um, before watching this movie. So, like, while I was watching this movie, I was like, yo, Emma Watson's the girls from um, Spring Breaker. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, <laughs> like, for me, I'm definitely the um, Harry Potter generation. I grew up reading it. I was expecting a letter from Hogwarts um, until, you know, um, J.K. Rowling started saying transphobic shit. Um, so to see Emma Watson, Hermione, she's still, you know, Hermione to me. So, like, with tramp stamp tattoo on her back, lower back, and, you know, doing whatever drugs. I was like, oh my gosh, she's gone bad, but she looks good. And she's acting perfectly with that vain, shallow LA Calabasas vibe. Like I am my, I'm sexually confused right now. Like it was that good. (laughs) I mean, I know that I'm already bisexual, but I was just like, I don't like girls who i don't like people who do drugs but i'm like you know what you will make an ex like you'll be my only exception like girl it was that kind of confusion <laughs> Her, what, tmi i'm girl. so sorry it wasn't necessarily like a confusion about sex it was more about whether because she does drugs and you were like yeah you know why am i attracted to this yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah she definitely stepped out yeah sorry no no um i i really like Emma watson she's like to me the standout of this movie she's definitely the strongest actor of all of them um and i love that this was her big thing outside of uh after harry potter because the thing that i i, I like i i really respect emma watson for was like she never tried to go i mean no disrespect to selena gomez and what's that other girl's name That's vanessa hudgens and then like no disrespect to them but it's like I respect the fact that Emma Watson didn't just do like a complete 180 and like, yes, she's doing drugs in it, but like, I think we never see her do any cocaine. I think it's just weed that we want not to say that. Well, no, it's legal in Canada. She was doing heroin or was she? Yeah. There was a pipe involved. I thought that pipe was, I know my thought that was marijuana, but there was also like a scene (laughs) where she's, she's like trying on different outfits with Mark and then, um, it's like she's in a bra, but like she very kind of strategically, you can see her like turn yeah. her back to the camera. So it's like she she wanted to bear that bear huh, that um, Harry Potter thing, but she wasn't willing to like go completely Spring Breakers and like go the the other way. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I I like that about her. Like, I like that she wasn't trying to shock people. She was just trying to say like I'm more than just. Uh, a wizard? I didn't watch Harry Potter, nor did I read it, so I don't really know who she was, but I assume <gasps> she was a wizard. That's what I assume. <gasps> I know, I know. How yeah. dare you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with you. You chose violence this morning. I know, okay. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, it's just, it never, never really stuck with me. I don't know. I tried reading the first one when I was a kid, and then it never. I never got into it. And then, yeah, but that's a whole other discussion. But anyways, Dakota, what did you think about Emma Watson? <laughs> it's, it's interesting because I, I definitely agree with what you're, you're saying about her portrayal. And I almost wonder if that's it's, – it's two things in my mind where I'm not too sure. Maybe it's a, co- a combination of both. One, I, I think there was still – I don't want to call it a modesty, but maybe a, a decision on her part to maybe limit how much of a – bad girl image yeah. she was willing to portray because yeah mm. there you see her smoking a pipe at one point we're clearly not too sure exactly what it was but we're not seeing her doing rails of cocaine like mm-hmm. the rest of the cast is 
So she clearly doesn't want to be shown doing that. She's not in, in she drinks a bit, but like other than, you know, some champagne and stuff like that, we're not seeing her, you know, chugging beer or whatever like that. And then on, you know, on, as far as the, the sexuality side, yeah, it's still fairly reserved in general. I feel like most of the girls still are fairly reserved. And I think that sort of leads to the fact that we have a female filmmaker making it and not wanting it to be uh sort of quote unquote for the male gaze because this is still supposed to be teenage girls that they're not wanting to sexualize them as much as like, say, you know, on the flip side, spring breakers. I know we're kind of comparing it a lot. They, they There is some overlap in theme as far as um, good girls gone bad sort of thing. And, and the way they are shot, you know, the Selena Gomez and Vanessa Hudgens and, and the rest of them is shot very much for a male gazy perspective. And, and even the rest of the uh, young women on the spring break who are, you know, shaking their butts in the camera sort of thing. And on the flip side of, of this is every time they're getting changed, you can clearly see that they're in their bra and underwear, but you're not really getting like a full close up butt shot or like just a shot of their, their midriff and up showing them in their bra with like cleavage and things like that. So I wonder if that's a conscious Emma Watson thing or if it's a Sophia Coppola thing or if it's a combination of the two, but it definitely, um, at, at times I felt like some of the characters were, were neutered a bit as far as us believing that they truly are quote unquote, uh, bad people at times. So I don't, I don't know. I, I'm a little conflicted on that feeling. Naomi, what do you think? I think it's a combination of both, but I get what you mean. Like, but uh, it's hard to say. What about what about you, Rachel? Like, I still need to like wrap my mind around it, head around I it. I think I think Dakota's right. Like, I think that you know having a female behind the camera for this one makes sense. But in a sense, too, it's like there was no place for nudity. There was no place for for those kinds of shots because that has no. nothing, really, nothing to do with the movie, you know. And when Dakota, and we're used supposed to, to believe that they're high school students as well. Yeah, and like spring breakers, they were college students. <laughs> yeah, I mean, high school students can be interesting as well like they can be salacious and whatnot but Mm -hmm. i think an interesting point that you said though is like spring breakers was a good girls gone bad kind of thing and i don't necessarily think that bling ring is good girls gone bad. it's like bored people just doing like bored rich kids doing things that because they can because they didn't get caught and it's like a feeling like you know it's kind of um it's what i said uh, closer to the beginning it's just like there are really interesting themes in this movie like there's a lot that you can talk about the fact that these rich white kids are they're not all white there was one korean girl um but it's like mm-hmm. sorry <laughs> just so used to saying rich white kids um i know <laughs> my bad i was so happy to realize that Rip, um rachel was a korean i was just like yes asian rich girl yes <laughs> Yeah, I was rooting so hard for her. It's true. I actually was a little bit too. I was like, I was like, do it for us. Do it for the ones who never went off. We yeah. do it for the girls that like yeah. we just were really good and, and just studied a lot. Like whatever. Um, but no, like I feel like those girls were just like they were bored and they were and and there's a lot to be like there's a lot of commentary there about you know these these kids who had, don't have a leash like they don't have any parental guidance or supervision whatsoever the reason that they're so relaxed about breaking into people's homes is because they genuinely don't feel like they have any consequences to be suffered from it you know like and that has a lot to do with their upbringing because when you're 
born into a certain situation and you've never really been in trouble, you've never heard no, like you've never had any real challenge in front of you, something like this, like you just keep pushing. It's like, you know, you, you what is it? You give an inch, they, they or sorry, you take an inch, take you a pull mile. a mile or something like that. Yeah. yeah. It's like that, but like self-inflicted, like they just kept going, kept going, kept going. So it, it's, I know we bring up Spring Breakers a lot in this, but it is a really interesting, like putting the two of them back to back because it's similar, but absolutely different at the same time. Um, but yeah, that's my thoughts on that. But what, what Naomi, how about you? Like, did, what do you think about, um, about that concept of like, you know, these girls and, and the boy who are just kind of, um, <laughs> but he's interesting too. Like actually like that Mark character yeah. is a really interesting character because he's not necessarily into it because he's a board. Like he wanted to fit in, you know? Yeah. And he gets it. Isn't he the only one basically said, like, I think I'm ugly. Yeah, like, I wanted yeah. to be something. Mm-hmm. Like, other people do it just like, well, you know, like, Nicole, um, Nikki was like, oh, you know, like, I'm making this spiritual thing. Like, I'm I'm going to be better, blah, blah, blah. And Rebecca's just like, what did even Rebecca say? I forgot. Um, <laughs> Rebecca but- didn't say anything about it, but Mark implied that it was because she wanted to be a part of that group. And so if she looked the part, she could be a part. Yeah, but so like the girls never kind of said directly, like maybe gave us a hint of like what could have led to, um, you know, them being them. But um, for me, like Mark was like, yeah, no, like I don't feel pretty. And he was, he seemed honest and like he seemed to be aware of like the issues that he's having. And I like that contrast of it. Did you guys read um, about the real life guy um, behind? I think his name was Nick. <laughs> Nick Purgus, I think is his name was. Drop us some hot mm. facts there, Rachel. <laughs> so he, um, that Nick guy, he was, um, he, when he was being, what do you call it? Interrogated by the police. Um, the police came out and were like, he admitted to crimes that we had no idea about. Like he just kept running his mouth off about stuff. And I'm like, you're, it's not even like in the movie, he's portrayed as being quite innocent and somebody who was like really insecure. But I'm like, in real life, I think he was just a bit of an idiot. Like he just had no (laughs) clue about anything. Cause I think he just thought, oh, I'm just going to tell, like, they already know, like they must, they must be onto me. So they must know everything. So I'm just going to go on. But that also goes to show like, the youth that they had at the time, like they were very young yeah. when this happened. So he probably had no clue about the idea of, you know, don't talk, like don't, don't, don't give them information that they're not asking for. You know, that's something that you learn later on when you're being interrogated by the police as an adult, you know, I don't know if you guys have learned that lesson, but I sure have. <laughs> for I, I sure. Almost, for sure. I almost wonder, and maybe this is me going uh, full scale left wing, the, the concept of the police are usually only there to protect the interests of the rich. He's grown up mm-hmm. at, in a lifestyle of if you talk to the police, they're there to help you. Yeah. Whereas if you're not come from that ruling class, you know, don't say more than you need to because otherwise they c- it could be used against you for stuff that may not even be true and could be used to actually hurt you and is detrimental. And so I think he, that is probably his whole concept of, well, if I just say everything, like what's going to happen? They're probably going to thank me for telling them the truth. And that's a really good point. I mean, especially when yeah. you look at it in the context of today of, you know, the police being 
kind of dodgy characters these days and not being the authority that we typically were raised to like look at them as you know so it and that's a really really good point though um and kind of goes to the whole idea of they're just i mean they're kids they're rich kids and they don't know any better Mm -hmm. quite frankly Mm -hmm. not to excuse their behavior i mean but no (laughs) not at all i understand what you're saying yeah in the film like when she gets caught like she's like yo like can we make a deal like she was like on top of it asian and asian she knew yeah (laughs) she knew she knew what was up Right. As the only yes. white person in this in this conversation, I feel comfortable with uh, agreeing or disagreeing with her. <laughs> it's like she's Asian. She knew. She knew. You don't think she looked up what her rights were? You don't think she did that ahead of time? She knew. She knew. But I love that scene so much. Good for you, Rebecca. It does yes. show though, like her, like her arrogance as well, right? Like thinking, like yeah. I, I mean, I joke saying that she's Asian, but like I think the like the real person was Rachel Lee and I think that she probably did have some idea of what was what she was up against but at the same time her youth just like kind of betrays all of that and being a bit idealistic mm-hmm. like watching one too many episodes of Law and Order or like well you know too many you know what I mean like that kind of a thing like you you think that what you've seen on TV is that's what reality is so she knows like she knows not to say what you're not supposed to say right and she knows that you can get a yeah. deal but she has no idea like how to do it or just how deep she is into it like i she doesn't seem to have very good awareness of her current situation and again that goes back to the privilege that she grew up in like she's this kid that grew up in the suburbs and is wealthy and you know never never was able to get out of a situation that or sorry never couldn't get out of a bad situation cuz she probably never really had any I wonder yeah. if because, you know, they meet at this high school that's supposed to be sort of a, a high school for delinquents. Uh, Mark went there because he was skipping too many classes, so he was kicked out of his school. She admits that she had gotten into some trouble. So I wonder if she has had some run-ins with the police before, maybe never on this scale. Because I think she said she had drugs or something like that. So maybe she had an issue where she was caught with like um, a couple ounces of weed or something like that or some joints or, or so- maybe some cocaine or Rachel Lee, like the actual girl, what um, she had stolen from Sephora before that. Oh, okay. <laughs> so she kind of basically knew exactly what what the deal was. Yeah, you go from stealing from you know a mascara from Sephora to breaking into Paris Hilton's home. It's very like that is a very linear thing that you do. Uh, Natural progression, yeah, exactly. Of course. But actually, I mean, they say like I I remember working at a pharmacy when I was younger, and they actually said the the most common thief or theft, sorry, amongst like stores like a pharmacy or um i guess a sephora it is cosmetics like it is teenage girls stealing cosmetics because they're small and mm-hmm. typically oh. kind of expensive like not ever i mean i obviously those that group can afford it but like not everybody can and um like i remember you could walk around the pharmacy and you can check this to, to this day i'm sure it still happens but if you look to like the back like the last packet on on a rack or something you'll see like there's always sometimes like an empty one like somebody pulled out an eyeliner or somebody pulled out a lipstick (gasps) or something like that yeah it happens all the time yeah and teenage girls are funny because i think like boys always get the rap for for being like delinquent and like doing really bad (laughs) things but um yeah preteen girls teenage girls they know what to do they know they know to steal they know where to go and like and the fact that they don't tend to get focused on very much like if 
a bunch of girls came in early, even a couple girls came into a pharmacy. Like, I don't think many people would look to them and be like, oh, like keep an eye on those ones. Actually, some of my junior high classmates, like they stole things from like stores and they're like, yeah, I stole this. And I was just like, okay, great. That's exactly like yeah, in the movie yeah. though, like the way that they talk about like, oh yeah, I went to like Rachel Bilson's house or like I, we were just at like Orlando Her Bloom's. Like, you nightclub know. House yeah. And they, they say it so casually because I think above all else, like when we talk about wealth and all that that is one aspect to it but i think that the fact that they were so young and they just have no clue about the magnitude of what they're actually doing you know and how much they're about to fuck up their futures i kind of want to talk about what these this era represents because it really does sort of feel like it's the it's the the end of the era of excess because it happened right before the 2008 uh, economic crash. And so we're, we're kind of living in a world where I mentioned off the top of, of the sort of different um, reality TV shows that were the really popular. And, you know, the phrase famous for being famous was was often used to describe people like Paris Hilton and, and Kim Kardashian and stuff like that. But what also was popular on tv and i I know i'm guilty of it when i was young i really enjoyed watching tv shows like lifestyles of the rich and famous and cribs and things like that just this concept of watching seeing what rich people live like and and what what, what that was like and how fascinating it was to see how they have like 20 bathrooms in their house and like a closet that's bigger than my entire apartment sort of thing (laughs) and all this different stuff and so it was just really interesting sort of seeing i feel like the crux of the film is this America's obsession with celebrity and infamy and praising people for for being rich for the sake of it. And I I found that really interesting. So I'm curious to hear how that sort of played out for the two of you. Um, So I was actually a high school student like um, in 2008. So like when this movie was set in. Um, and like I grew up reading um, Teen Vogue and you know celebrity gossip magazines that talked about Hollywood celebs um, back in Japan. I was obsessed with yeah Paris Hilton. I was always talking about it. So I was like, this movie reminded me so much of, of that time period. And with the music, I was like, oh my god, I feel like I'm back in high school. <laughs> um, and I actually do love the concept of like celebrity and fame because it's like the new level of capitalism you know like capitalism is was about commodifying and that became that evolved into commodifying commodifying like promises um that you know like this paper is gonna hold the same value as twenty dollars in like however many days ahead of the future like it will still hold the same value but now it's like commodifying this image of paris hilton or like celebrity and it's not even the celebrity itself, it's just what we associate, what we think of them, right? Like, so I do think that's just like fascinating, even though it's shallow, but like, I do enjoy it thoroughly. So I was just like, yeah, no, this is what we are at, um, at the level of like humanity, like progressing. And it's ironic, but at the same time, it is what it is. So I, I enjoyed it, but I was, I, but after watching this movie, I actually, started listening to Paris Hilton's music. So I feel like this movie kind of unleashed some of the demon that I had in 2008. So I blame Sofia Coppola for that. Yeah, you want to listen to some Stars are, is Born or whatever? Yeah. Stars are Blind? Stars are Blind? That's the name of the song, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stars are Blind. Yeah, I was listening. Yeah, that's the first song that I listened to when I got on my Spotify after watching this movie. I still can't believe she has a music career like that. It's baffling to me. <laughs> 
Um, watch the music videos; it's hilarious. <laughs> Uh, for me, it was yeah. I was I'm a little old. So I was in university when um, 0809 rolled around, and I yeah I I was into it. Like I I was definitely like same with Dakota. Like I watched MTV Cribs. Um, what was it like? Was it Lifestyles of the Rich and the Famous? Is that what you said, Dakota? Yeah, yeah, with the guy's voice it was and like, like the British saying, narrator. Yeah, him. Yeah. It was great. That was a great show. It was excellent. And there is a fascination. I can understand it. And I fully bought into it. I mean, I don't know anybody who hasn't, to be honest. And I actually think people are lying when they say they haven't. Because it's interesting. Like, mm-hmm. even if, you know, you're like us and you're really into movies, like, you can still be interested in the lives of the people that you watch readily on screen right like i remember like when angelina jolie and brad pitt and jennifer aniston like that's gossip and that's excellent entertainment for the rest of us um even though it's their lives but i mean 100 percent. i i was definitely interested in the gossip i will say paris hilton the hills those guys i never actually really got into that um like obviously i knew who they were because it was one of those things that you know how could you not know who they were at that time? Like you knew what the Hills were, even mm-hmm. if you'd never seen an episode of the Hills, you knew what it was. Like you knew it was this show. And even today, like I hate the fact that I know who the Kardashians are. Like it bothers me to no end that I know so much about them and I don't want to know anything about them, but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And so while maybe I didn't dip too much into that celebrity, like that type of celebrity, there were other, like, I definitely have gone down many a gossip gossip holes that sounds kind of gross but you know what i mean <laughs> yeah ew <laughs> <laughs> didn't mean it like that <laughs> i'm sure and one thing i found interesting though is reading a vulture interview um that paris hilton gave because i actually was wondering i was like why the hell would paris hilton allow people to video inside her house after she was I broken know. into <laughs> like you're literally showing everybody what the ins like i'm sure her i have to assume her security system is much better than it used to be then and when i say better i mean i hope that she has a security system versus leaving a key (laughs) under the fucking door like i'm sorry like that i like that is the stupidest thing i've ever seen like i don't understand how they're so like oh it's fine like just leave it but i like i was no the monkey was supposed to be um one of the security alarms i'm sure stupid like it's just dumb like they're idiots but the thing i just thought it was interesting so i was like kind of trying to find like why did paris hilton allow this and then i looked i found this vulture interview and she was saying how she was watching the movie and it made her really emotional like she was crying at some points because she like she obviously knew it had happened but you know, watching them, like, it felt like such a violation of her privacy and blah, blah, blah. And then the interview goes into being like, but there is one bright spot. Like, they, you get to see her home and her home um, for Paris. Like, sorry, there is one bright spot for Paris Hilton. She got to see her home on the big screen. And she was like, oh, my God, this is my dream home. I'm just doing her voice. I don't actually think this is what she sounds like. <laughs> it, was, it was a print interview. <laughs> She's like, oh, my I, God. I need, I need a better impression, Rachel. I can't. Yeah. I, I don't know why. My voice is very low the moment i'm not sure what's going on try harder but she's just like she's like oh my god like like a vocal fry um but she was like oh my god like you know seeing my dream home like i spent so much time on this house every little detail like to see it up on in a movie like it's like it's a dream come true for her kind of thing and i was like that is such a like on one hand she's trying to say like oh i was 
you know, I was burgled and my, my home and my privacy and my safety was violated there. And that is a big deal. But then on the other hand, she's like, I'm so fucking excited that people get to see the inside of my house, even though I would be so embarrassed if my house was like cushions of my face and my walls were just my face, you know? But she was more like, I'm so happy people get to see this because I designed it exactly how I wanted it to look. And I was like, Paris, never change. You've never changed. Like this, that clearly hasn't changed you. And I feel like sometimes they miss the point of what this movie was trying to say, which is like false idolatry, like as as you said at the very beginning, Dakota. And I found that mm-hmm. like interview fascinating that she was just so, so game for showing her home in, in that. I'm like, you didn't learn a lesson at all, did you, Paris? For me, that's absolutely wild that she considers that how how the view of her house is were to me like reading afterwards that it was actually shot in her house I, i'm like okay but they didn't really show a lot like you see her lobby which is usually the lights are off so you don't see anything in the lobby mm-hmm. other than the cushions of her face and then you just see her closets where it's just so overflowing with with crap uh, i guess to put it more <laughs> properly with clothes with shoes with jewelry with things like that nothing really is is super organized other than like the wall of shoes which seem to be color-coded yes um it's color-coded it's not like it's not like when you, you you visit someone's house and like you see how how nicely laid out their living room is and the art pieces that they have on the wall you go in the bedroom and you're like okay yes i understand this person's aesthetic and you know what they're trying to say with where they feel most comfortable uh it just was like and here's all of the stuff there 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 wasn't really anything that made me like it just sort of looked like a set to me that was just overfilled way too much and so I, like I, I if they if they actually like you know did a did a shot where they like showed them going through room by room and showing each one of Paris's bedrooms and bathrooms and the living room and you know the the kitchen and all that sort of stuff i would have probably found that more interesting to be like oh wow this is actually her house we're seeing a glimpse of who she really is as opposed to just be like look at her overstuffed closets i mean that goes to the heart of the movie though right and i also think that that might be a runoff of your mtv cribs of just wanting to see everything inside (laughs) inside a celebrity's house like what's in their fridge i don't know I'd like to see that. Right? Yeah. Like, look at look at all of these box waters. That was always yeah. like the highlight of the MTV Cribs was check out my fridge. <laughs> it was, and they're all like, I don't shop. I don't know what's in here. I mean, half the time that wasn't even their house. Like, let's be real. I remember Destiny's yeah, Child yeah. one and they were trying to pull off that the three of them actually live together. I'm like, you don't live together. <laughs> That's beside the point. Oh, Sorry. Wow. <laughs> that That is like basically the epitome of all style zero substance. absolutely absolutely oh and it God. like it genuinely wasn't there. like you find out now years later that that's not it wasn't their houses like they would rent houses and stage them for the show specifically because i think a lot of them too were smart enough to realize like don't show the entire layout of your house on national television yeah like that's stupid to do mm-hmm. and i mean clearly mm-hmm. paris hilton has no problems with that she didn't show the whole layout of her house to be fair but she did show how like her closet was like never ending of you just open one panel and then you open another panel just keeps going. Yeah. All the Louboutins. Ooh. Yeah, that was a big one. But I think <laughs> that I think came from that Vanity Fair article, isn't it? Like the the name of it was I don't know, you said yes, at the beginning yeah. Dakota. I can't remember the beginning of it was like something something they wear Louboutins or something like that. Uh yeah, um I have it right here. The suspects were Louboutins. Yeah. So I think like that was supposed to be there 
big thing. And they kept like so, throwing out like name brands and stuff like that of 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 um, mm-hmm. what they all had. And I, I actually like that touch because I thought it was like it just showed just how shallow and superficial. Like they they know a lot about this kind of crap. Um, I shouldn't call it crap. Yeah. It's like well, a multi billion dollar industry because. They're clearly around it because their families are rich, so they have some access to this. But then they're also going out to the different nightclubs. And I feel like if you if you were a casual watcher of something like TMZ back in the day, I, I definitely remember them like or like any sort of fashion police show after award show where they would, you know, critique the different brands that they were wearing. So it was all like in the general lexicon. I remember same with like sex in the city, Jimmy Choo's and Louboutins were like the, the big thing that like came out of that show because of it. Were you a big mm-hmm. sex in the city fan, Dakota? I wouldn't say I was a big fan. I, I did like it. I, I watched most of it back in the day. Um, Something so, I didn't yeah, even like, know that you and I could be talking about. We could definitely be talking about <laughs> Carrie and Big and like yep. Aiden and like, oh my God. Just opened up it's a whole a new while, world but, but for yes, us. I did. I did watch the, the, the TV show. I, I haven't seen the movies, but I did watch okay, the show. Okay. Y'all have to watch the movie and then do like five episodes on <laughs> Of the series, please, I need it. First, first movie is actually pretty good. I have to say, for like, I, I think know. the first movie is pretty good. The second movie is sh- second movie shit, but the first movie is like pretty, yeah. pretty spot on. Especially if you like the series, I think the the first movie is really good. But I mean, like that Sex and City is a good example too of just like a show that was it was very superficial, but that one had it did go into like a lot of. I mean, I know today looking back, I, I, people are finding a lot of fault with it, but when you look at it in the context of the nineties, like it was a very progressive show for the time. Um, and this idea mm-hmm. of these women just talking about sex and it's like, but there was a lot of frivolity involved with it too, which bling ring obviously is a product of that as well. Like these girls who gr- probably grew up like Paris Hilton and them grew up watching sex in the city thinking this is kind of how their yeah. lives are supposed to be. And like they stalk their, you know, so it's interesting though. Like you say um, these girls would have grown up with it, but it's also in the common like the brands became really commonly um, known to, to just about everybody. And like, and I would agree with that because my, I didn't grow up rich, but like, I definitely knew those brands and like, I would covet a lot of the stuff that like, especially handbags, like I'd covet a lot of them, but can't afford them. I could have just broken into mm-hmm. Paris Hilton's house apparently, but exactly. It was for another Rachel to do. Not for me. It's fine. <laughs> Absolutely fine. Now I feel like, I feel like we've gotten so wildly off topic, but I, I had a fun time <laughs> talking about this movie. Uh, I feel like it's time we, we get into our, our fun segments at the end and sort of uh, have a little fun with this movie a little bit. And so the first one is naming a double bill pairing for this movie. Uh, the thing is, the only rule is that it can't be another A24 film. So Naomi, as our guest, what would be a perfect double pairing for the bling ring and why? This is going to be so stupid and shallow, but Ocean's 8. Oh, okay. Because it involves fashion, or as kids like to say, fashion, (laughs) and, you know, girls getting together um, to do some, well, okay, girls and a boy, but, you know, he's gay. He can be, you know, he can be in the feminine world. Um, You know, girls getting together and doing things, and... I actually wanted to ask this question, like, would you consider this movie a heist movie? And I feel like, you know, with Ocean's A, like, you know, we can talk about or think about, you know, what constitutes a heist movie and that kind of thing. So Ocean's A's my pick. But um, I also have 
triple frontier as another um suggestion because again it's a heist movie and it's like dumb people doing dumb things um and also oscar as i was gonna say is it oscar isaac Mm -hmm. (laughs) damn it okay i'm getting too predictable i'm gonna shut up I, I do quite like your, your pick of Ocean Day. I think that's an interesting one. I'm not going to comment on it just yet. So, Rachel, I want to hear what your pick is. Oh, uh, was your pick Ocean's Day? I feel like it might have been. Or an Ocean's movie. Okay, that's anyways, not, I'll continue. I'm not, I'm not revealing it yet. <laughs> um, I have a bit of a trend of picking, like, 90s movies, and I'm going to continue with that because that's my favorite decade of movies, quite frankly. And I'm going with Set It Off, um, which is a bank heist movie. Uh, it's Jada Pinkett Smith. I think at the time she was just Jada Pinkett, though, and Queen Latifah, Vivica Fox, and Kimberly Elise. And it is four women who decide to rob a bank, all for different reasons, but, you know, it, they're, I don't want to say good reasons, because there aren't good reasons to rob a bank, but um, reasons that are not just, I just wanted a nice coat. It was, I need to put food on the table for my family. I want to secure a good future for my children, that kind of a thing. Uh, It's an excellent movie uh, for anybody who hasn't seen it yet. And I know these days a lot of um, studios are always like, oh, we need like female led movies. And they just make a real mess of it because they're so focused on just ticking like a little checkbox here. Um, But set it off is one that really does it so perfectly well. Um, And the soundtrack is amazing. This is when En Vogue's um, Let It Go. That was the main theme for set it off. So it's a fantastic movie. Uh, if you guys haven't seen it yet. Interesting, interesting. So that's two it. heist movies in a row. Um, now, Rachel, what's something that you always say about me? Oh, God, you went with a period movie. <laughs> no, no, that I'm a man of the people. Okay. <laughs> so my pick for a double billing is a 1955 French film <laughs> called Rafifi, directed by American Jules Dassin. So I know Rachel is stifling her laughter here, <laughs> but I am so happy that I finally had a reason to plug this movie because it's one of my favorites of all time. But basically, it's a classic heist film that has some similarities. You know, midway through the bling ring, there's this long, unbroken take of Audrina Patrice's house being robbed. It features no dialogue or music, just showing the invasive nature of the crime. Rafifi's main set piece is a robbery of a jewelry store, connection there, where it is protected by an alarm that is set off by noise. So to bypass the system, the crew must work in total silence. They don't talk to each other. They work as silently as possible, with every slight rustle rustle causing many panic attacks. To aid in the tension, there is no score at all highlighting the need to be as quiet as possible. Other sort of similarities include the downfall for both crews when they start bringing in more people and bragging about their scores. The more people know, the likelier news will spread to the police. Both crews also spend their free time partying in nightclubs where they meet people who can't be trusted. So, Rachel, what snide comment do you have for me about this pick? Like I said, a man of the people. You're just a common common folk. You're one who's like, people go, hey, my favorite movie is... I don't even, I can't even think a of 1955 French black and white film. Yeah. And you're just like, check out this aspect ratio, bro. Like, you're like, you're going to love this shit. <laughs> it is actually a really, really great pick. And I know that you really love Rafifi as well. And it's an excellent movie. I, I haven't very seen it in right a really, now. really long time. I think it was one of the first, when I say a foreign movie, I mean like a non-English, non-Cantonese movie. Um, I think that was probably one of my first uh, foreign films for me. Um, 
that I ever saw. And it's, it is, it's true. It truly is really, really great. And it's really engaging considering one, how old it is Two, like the lack of score. I think that that's really interesting because typically the score is what builds the world. Like in bling ring, the score is everything, right? Like the score slash soundtrack is what builds um, the 0809 setting. And like, typically in any heist movie, you always have a score that like Mm -hmm. speeds up and builds the anxiety of like, Oh shit, they're going to get caught any second. Um, But Rafifi doesn't do that. It just is a very classically made and very well-told movie. So yes, man of the people, the pleb himself, Dakota Harsenow just choosing these really, it's, it's not that obscure though. Is it Rafifi? It is. No, it is. It's relatively obscure. I think if you like are really, really into common folk movies, then obviously you'll know it what kind it of is. is. But yeah. otherwise, yeah, the, the the general audience basically is what we're talking about here. Um, Naomi, have you seen Rafifi? Nope. So I, I actually had to Google it, and now I'm rolling my eyes so hard. Check out that aspect ratio, bro. Like it's tight, it's real good. <laughs> Stop it. Rachel, I swear <laughs> to God, it's a great. It is a great movie, though. Um, Naomi, like if you get if you can find it, like go and well, I don't even know where to find it these days, but like, is it on Criterion? Is Streaming it on Criterion? On Criterion it must channel. be. Probably, it is, yes. Yeah. Which is where Dakota gets most of his movies. The Criterion, channel. of course, uh, of course. Yes, I I do own the Criterion edition of. This <laughs> oh film. my, good for you. <laughs> it's a it, it's a great movie though it is a very very good movie and i actually think it's pretty apt for bling ring and i do think naomi too your choice of oceans eight like i thought about that one too like it makes sense like it is this like, like i think it's not a mistake all three of us chose heist movies um because that is the biggest mm-hmm. kind of through line of bling ring is that it's heisty but it's a different type like to coppola's yeah. credit it's a different type of heist movie like it doesn't really go into the whole I guess there is no sneak attack for this because they literally just walk into these houses. Like they don't literally. Yeah. They don't have to do very much to get into them, which is a very different type of. Yeah. They just Google being like, where's Paris Hilton tonight? Oh, she's at a club in Vegas. Yeah. And like her address happened to be on the internet, you know, like (laughs) no planning required. It's just all sheer luck. Okay, it's not even like, like the internet was like that new yeah. at the time either. Like oh eight oh nine, I don't think there's an excuse anymore. Like in the nineties, yeah. I can give I can give them an excuse for being like they had no idea that you could easily access this information. But by by two thousand eight, you should know that the internet yeah. is quite powerful. But now in Rafifi, they did not have the internet. Like I just want to make oh. that clear that that was not a thing yet. Not a thing mm-hmm, yet. Mm-hmm. I I think. I think the one thing that's interesting is we we did all choose heist films and I wonder if that has something to do with the fact that for me, I almost think that the heist sequences in the bling ring were probably the most interesting, both uh, cinematically of what Sofia Coppola was doing and just in general interest wise of what was most interesting and fascinating for us to watch because a lot of the, you know, drama behind the scenes sort of stuff really did next to nothing for me at times, but the high stuff was where I was most engaged. Would you, would the two of you sort of agree with that statement? Maybe that's why we all picked heist movies. Naomi? Probably. Yeah. And like Mark was the only one who was anxious and who was like, you know, like, let's go. Like we need to go. And like, I was with Mark the whole time. I mean, I'm like naturally anxious. So like, him being extremely anxious in a situation that I was really anxious. I was like, Oh my God, like that. Yeah. So the whole heist, the scenes, yeah. were the cherry, no, like the main focus and the, um, 
the mom, the <laughs> affirmation <laughs> mom. Yeah. Yeah. So I was going to say this is either spiritual film or heist film. Yeah. I'm, I like, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I agree, I'm Dakota. I'm kidding though, about the I, spiritual part. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I agree though. Like, I think that the movie is, um, like, it's kind of like I said, top. Like, it's, it lacks in, style like and i wish there was more style because i think that you could have made the drama more interesting um i don't i think the heist stuff you're right like that that one long shot scene no dialogue nothing it's like that is a remarkable scene which according to imdb they almost a coppola wanted to cut it like she didn't want (gasps) that scene yeah oh thank goodness yeah yeah and the cinematographer was the one who convinced her to leave it in and it ends up being like the best shot of the whole movie. The best. Yeah. So and beautiful. it's, it's amazing. Like it's a glass house. Like you could just see them kind of scampering around and it's, it's really interesting. Yeah. going. Yeah. But room, like, yeah. you know, other than that, and it just feels like a wasted opportunity for me. And like in general, I did like the movie. Like I, I don't think it was a bad movie by any stretch of the imagination, but I just feel like it could have been, they could have been working on both angles, like the high side and the, the, drama side and yeah you're probably right that that's the thing that stuck out the heist stuff which is why we all went heisty rather than any theme like a a thematic kind of thing we just went with it's a heist movie so we're gonna go with heist movies especially since we could have maybe gone in the direction of like a a teen drama or you know good kids gone bad sort of thing and clueless was one that kind of popped into my head a little bit just in terms of talking about like superficiality and pop culture and that kind of a thing like i thought about it but it doesn't really fit like it fits in that sense but um other than that it doesn't but i mean that is a big through line of bling ring is supposed to show like um what basically what Cher's lifestyle was as well, who also had a very cool closet. Yep. Can we get that, please? Yes, of course. Everyone wanted that? that closet. And then you grow <laughs> up and realize, yeah, it's just not very practical, is it? Because mm-hmm. if it breaks, what do you do? It also <laughs> just doomed. costs a lot of money. And most yeah. of us don't have that kind of money. So then let's move on to the next portion of this and the would you rather. So uh, we each have to come up with a would you rather question that can either be based directly on the movie or just sort of tangentially relate it. Naomi, as our guest, let's uh, let's start with you. What question do you have to post for Rachel and I? Damn it. I only I wanted to go last because I I was I only have like bad questions. You do that? We can You know what? No, no, you know what? I don't want to embarrass Rachel. myself further. Uh, let me go first. Okay. Um Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay trust me don't don't worry rachel and i take this part the least serious out of all of them. okay good to know comforting thank you okay so my question is would you rather be a personal stylist actually no scratch that would you rather have closet or items from closet of paris hilton or Lindsay lohan from the from this film or like actually in general yeah would you rather dress like paris hilton or Lindsay lohan God, mm. Rachel. Should have thrown Rachel Bilson. I would have taken Rachel Bilson's clothes in a second. Um, <laughs> Paris Hilton and Lindsay Lohan. Oh, then you don't get any underwear, do you? That sucks. Like, nope. God damn it! <laughs> you flashing the whole time. Damn it. Um. Oh my god, Rachel! I cannot <laughs> believe you went there. Um, I'll go with. I guess I'd probably maybe go with Paris. No, I'm going to go with Lindsay. I'm going to go with Lindsay because Paris is very tall, I think. So I don't think I would fit any of her clothing. 
but she's also very skinny and, and I again wouldn't fit into her but like I guess Lindsay I think I would probably go Lindsay yeah okay yeah and also because I think okay. Paris's clothing was very like you don't need a bra to wear her clothes and I don't <laughs> think I would be very comfortable with that quite frankly so I, I think Lindsay's clothes are more like yes you can wear the top undergarment at minimum it's fine yeah mm-hmm. what about you Dakota interesting interesting well, you know what? Uh, I'm going to pretend like I'm a good buddy, Mark, and say Paris Hilton because her shoes I was actually surprised. size 11. I actually had to Google I was it. I surprised her shoes. Like, I mean, it makes sense because she is quite tall. Like, she is very, very tall. Yeah. But it did shock me a little bit when it was like, oh, like, I can fit in her shoes. I'm like, holy shit. Like, Paris Hilton had big feet. Didn't know that. Size 11. She's a drag queen. That's crazy. But that's that's women size eleven though. Oh yeah, which is interesting. Still though, women size eleven so is not pretty sure. big. I would say it's probably like a men's nine ish, something like that. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah, that that is quite large. I that wouldn't fit me because I do wear a size twelve men. So that was a little flex there. Dakota's like, I wear size twelve, so yeah, yeah, really. Yeah. I got it's like me and Shaq no, basically no deal, hanging no out. <laughs> we're, we're the exact same. <laughs> Yeah, Paris makes sense for I think guys because she is she's just bigger, like she's taller, like so it kind of makes sense. What about you, Naomi? Yeah. Which whose closet would you rather? Yeah. Paris, because I always wanted to wear that um juicy couture <laughs> velour, that the thing. Yeah, I I was obsessed with that when I was a teenager. So I need to I need did to. Did Lindsay not do velour? I feel like everyone did velour at some point. <sighs> yeah, but she was more like you know like the f- trendsetter. I think she started the trend, so I thought J Lo did. And I like I the... always associate Velour with J Lo. Oh, J Lo and Puffy. That was their thing. That's why I got one, because I wanted to be J Lo when I was younger. Oh my god. That was my big thing. I was like so Now when I say I got a Velour, I got like a knockoff one from Stitches. So it wasn't actually like a proper Velour. Still it counts. Yeah. I still wear the pants as like just jogger bottom. Really? Yeah, they're still hanging around when I have them, just like at home. If I need something to wear, I'll, I'll chuck them on. No big deal. Oh my yeah. god! Yeah. Uh, what about you, Rachel? What is your okay? You so, Rachel? in a grand tradition that I haven't exercised in a while, um, I'm going completely against the rules of would you rather because I really couldn't think of one. So instead, I'm asking you both an open-ended question of of the celebrities today, whether you were, or actually not even of today, when you were younger. Um, or of today, if you feel like doing it of today, um, whose house would you like to rob the most of celebrity? Obviously not like your neighbor, um, like whose house would you like to rob of celebrity and why? Can I answer for Rachel? (laughs) Oscar Isaac. Yes, absolutely. Oh, his wife is so beautiful. I mean, so his house is so beautifully decorated. Super creepy. (laughs) Hey, Yo, yo, when Letter Room came out, they did interviews together, okay? So the background of the interview, because it was Zoom call, they changed every setting. Like, it was, one time they did it in, like, separate houses, sorry, separate rooms in, their like, one house, okay? I'm not being creepy. I just watched a lot of interviews that they're like, in. This is, that's, okay? like, modern-day bling is, I saw their house through a Zoom call. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> like, through a Zoom interview, and now I know their house. <laughs> yeah i know which house which room is where and like which direction yeah i know everything oh i know i have the blueprint 
Sorry, but Dakota, yeah. Um, who else? Uh, wow, okay. Um, you know what? I, I really don't have an answer for that. Like, I, I yeah, I really cannot care about any. Or like an athlete. Is there some athlete's house you'd like to rob of, like, to grab their shit? Like paraphernalia. Not paraphernalia. I have an answer. <laughs> uh, I would say probably Quentin Tarantino. Oh. Just to, like, oh. You could get all of the the yeah. film prints, all like the can, like yeah, yeah, and th- that's the thing. He probably has like the film reels of like every kung fu movie ever made. That's true. Oh, That'd actually yeah. be pretty dope. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Now I need to think about this. Just like chill in his uh, home theater when he's when I know he's away. I'll be like, you know, I'm just gonna go watch a movie at, at Quentin's house. Watch Rafifi at Quentin's house. <laughs> oh my God. You know, he would be on my side. I bet you he has a print copy of Rafifi somewhere. <laughs> like, he owns it. I oh. almost can guarantee Quentin Tarantino would have that. My goodness. That's hilarious. Uh, Naomi, how about you? Would it be Oscar Isaac or would it be someone else? Whose stuff would you like to take? So, Not necessarily just who would you like to live with. First of all, I respect Oscar's um, privacy. <laughs> like, I haven't checked his address. I haven't Googled his address on, yeah, on Google. Uh, <laughs> I respect his privacy. Actually, my answer. Actually, I have two. Um, but it's 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 gonna make sense. So Drake and um, Del Toro because they live in Toronto. They have a house in Toronto, and I know like the general vicinity of the house. And TPS Toronto P- Police Service. I don't trust them. I'm pretty sure I, like I'm smarter than them, so like I can actually plan a heist and steal everything from them, and like I can sell them or like have an auction house is like, yeah, I stole these items from these people and I'm going to sell it to the highest bidder because I'm a bad thief <laughs> kind of thing. So I'm just being practical and it's close. So like, I'd have to worry about, you know, logistics that much. If I have a U-Haul, U-Haul truck, I can do it. So that's true. Yeah. I don't know where Del Toro is, but I believe, um, what's his face is just like in the bridal path area. Like, I think that's where he is, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, with the horrible. Does he have a basket court in his house? I don't know. I don't. Probably. Yeah. See, I'm just being practical and thinking about money. That's fair. And yeah. You don't have to put too much of an yeah. expense into the heist because it's. You could just yeah. Uber there, really. You don't even need to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Smart. Yeah. I can do that. There you go. Okay. What about you, Rachel? Um, I would do Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves' house. What? Of course. I probably could have guessed that yeah. as well. Um, for several reasons. Number one, I hear he has a very cool motorcycle collection. And I feel like that, oh. although I'm not sure if he keeps at his house, kind of feel like he probably wouldn't. But maybe he does, and I'd like to see it. Number two, he has had people break into his house, and he is super kind to them and like just like chats with them. <laughs> so um i feel like it would be an excellent opportunity to meet keanu reeves that would be that's what i'm i'm gonna go for so i'm gonna go with keanu reeves because i also feel like he would like i'd just be curious to see how the man lives like yeah i feel like it would be very simple and just very like chill i also envision a lot of white like he's just very very serene and just like a lot of white all over the place um linen white yes yes that's how i see keanu just walking around with linen (laughs) And just like hello, and he'd see you and just be like, "Oh, are you are you lost? Like, are you okay? Like, you know, is everything all right?" And I think it would be an excellent way to spend a vacation in LA. Quite frankly, 
I tell you, I actually was robbed twice. I wasn't at home, but oh I was robbed twice. <laughs> and if I see someone coming into my house, my first instinct will be, uh, what's the nearest weapon um, that I that's near me? Um, so I respect Keanu for like not going there, like not killing the intruders. So damn. They also were like, I them. believe, like just kind of females who clearly were fans of his. Like they weren't looking to harm Ooh, him. Oh, okay. Um, okay, that's nasty. Though. But also Naomi... Just pro tip for anyone listening: keep a baseball bat by oh. your bed. Go out, buy one, and it's <laughs> keep you. one at like right at the front door as well, like in like so when you answer the door. But that might be bad for home intrusion. Yeah. But anyways, we can we can take that offline. <laughs> Point. <laughs> it's fine. Um, Rachel's tip, <laughs> Dakota. What's your would you rather? I I feel like uh, the answer's actually been discussed already, and so (gasps) the the sales have been completely taken out of this question, but I'll ask it anyways. What iconic brand would you like to see make a comeback? Would it be Von Dutch and their trucker hats worn sideways, made famous by Ashton Kutcher, or Juicy Couture with their velour tracksuits that specialize in ultra-low-rise pants and crop tops that were all the rage at the time? It was not just low-rise pants pants and crop tops i just want to point that out it was a matching zip up that was in the same (laughs) material as the bottoms and they were extreme Mm -hmm. and it was just like a really nice kind of tracksuit situation um so obviously i'm going for the velour tracksuit because it is comfortable and it's like pretty fun like if you're chilly you have a jacket you just put it in raining you got a hood just pop the hood on and it's um it's an excellent little tracksuit situation and i feel like right now or not now but like i think uh, like a a trendy thing to wear these days is like workout gear like athleisure is like a thing um and i feel like the uh velour suit could fit in very nicely with that although the problem is is when we wore those the it was like kind of flared pants because that was the thing back then was like flared boot cut um, which is not a thing anymore. So I'm not sure. I guess it could be velour leggings, but that would look kind of strange. That would be weird. Yeah. Like, I don't want to push it, guys. I mean, the velour tracksuit was perfect as it was. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's my two cents. On that. I assume yours is the same answer because you were also talking about uh, the juicy tracksuit earlier. Okay, well, I do love that shit, but I don't look good in that shit. So I have to go with the... Um, Von Dutch? I forgot the brand yeah, name Von Dutch. already. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that. And also, like, recently I discovered how convenient to wear a baseball cap with a mask. Like, no one's going to see you. No one's going to recognize you. You're, like, you're gone. You don't exist. Have you, have you so, seen a Von Dutch yeah, like, it was a huge thing in Japan, too. Yeah. It's hideous, but... Wait, wait. Also, like, didn't they make a comeback briefly, like, a couple years ago before the the... The thing that we're dis- um, dealing with right now, before that shit. I feel like Ed Hardy was kind of like um, a, yeah. a, a child of the Von Dutch. And then I don't know if trucker hats came back, but I don't find them to be subtle, which is why I, I asked you if you've ever actually seen one, because they're not subtle. They don't <laughs> they don't help you blend yeah. into things. And um, but like no one's going to see my face. Yeah. Like, the cap's going to cover my face. <laughs> I suppose. I suppose. Just a bit. Okay. But no, I see your point. Yeah, it draws attention to that horrendous logo. Yeah. Good old Von Dutch. What about you, Dakota? Which one? And the key is you have to have the hat 
uh, slightly sideways. Obviously, too. that's the oh key. damn it. Obviously, yeah. <sighs> you know what? I'm still gonna go with the. Uh, that's yeah. true. Actually, that's a very good point, Cody. If you want to have advantage, it has to be like on at a jaunty angle, and therefore doesn't yep. cover up your face properly. Okay, yeah. fuck. I'm just gonna look like a douchebag then. You know what? In that case, I will convert. <laughs> I will go back to the track city, even though I'm gonna look horrible in Velour. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that. Sorry. Dakota, what's yours? Now before you answer though, keep in mind Puff Daddy had really cool velour tracksuits. Like it wasn't just thing for ladies. It was like men looked pretty dope <laughs> in them too. So just putting it out there. Um I, I really have never been like a, a, a tracksuit kind of guy. Like sweatpants really aren't my thing. I, I, I never like wearing them unless I like absolutely have to. Um, so I'm going with the Von Dutch hat. I'm going to be that douchebag. Didn't you recently buy an A24 hat? Uh, yes, I did. Is that a trucker hat too? Or no, am I making it? It is up? not. No, that was. It uh, is not. It was, was snapback like, though, right? No, it's not even. Um, oh, it it was an adjustable strap, but I can't remember what the style is. But it's the the nerdy hipster style that's popular right now, where it's kind of a smaller hat and a flatter brim. Man of the people, man of the people. <laughs> yes, I am that douchebag. Thank mm-hmm. you for calling me out, Rachel. I appreciate it. I thought it for some reason. I thought it was a trucker hat for some reason. I don't know why. I thought A twenty four would come out with the trucker hat. No, but I do have oh a, a trucker hat uh, that I got from work that I'm not going to uh, talk about on the show. Uh, I, if you want, I can send you a picture of it later, though. Yes, please. Please. Okay, yes, please. I, will, I will send a picture to the two of you afterwards <laughs> of my yes. work trucker hat that I, I wear quite often. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> What's the point of the trucker hat? Is it like to ventilate the back of your head? Like you can, it's like not as sweaty. Is that the whole point? I don't know. Is that Rachel, why it's meshed in I'm the not back? a trucker. <laughs> Valid point to go to valid point. Very valid. But um, okay, so you go for Von Dutch and two for Von or one for Dump Von Dutch and uh, two for Juicy, which is the correct answer. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Now we've gone far too too off the rails for this. And I think we need to wrap it up. So uh, Naomi, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's always so much fun having you, even even if we spend too much time making fun of me. What have you been <laughs> ganging up on you? Yeah. What what have you been working on and like uh where can people find your work as well? So I'm actually trying to catch up with my movie reviews. Um I'm currently editing movie reviews for Oishi Kyushuku Final Battle that we saw at TJFF, so the school meals time final battle the title i still don't remember um hopefully the videos will be up soon on my um, english and japanese channel you can find that um, by searching now at a plot p-l-a-t-t on youtube awesome i will make sure and thank you so much for having me of, of course i i will make sure to link to those in the show notes and rachel where can listeners find you and what have you been working on uh as usual it's rachelkh.com or social for twitter and instagram is underscore rachelkh i have a review for exclaim coming up um for clifford the big red dog which is a very big left turn from bling ring um but if you uh have kids or if you're just into kind of kid movies um that'll be up on exclaim sometime next week and also i did an interview um for last the last right whales last of the right whales 
apologies, I always mess that um, title up. But I did an interview with that shelf um, with the director, Nadine, um, and that is still up for obviously if anybody wants to read it. It was a lot of fun chatting with her. Awesome. Well, you can follow the show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at ContraZoomPod. And if you have seen the bling ring, let us know your thoughts. Send an email to ContraZoomPod at gmail.com. Thank you to Eric and Kevin Smale for the theme music and to Stephanie Pryor for the logo design. If you like to listen to podcasts on YouTube, we do post all episodes there too. Thanks for checking us out. You're just like, check out this aspect ratio, bro. Like, you're like, you're gonna love this shit.